Welcome to It's a Crime. I'm Linda, and today we're going to do an update in the Chad Daybell case. It looks like Chad's lawyer, John Pryor, filed a six-page motion to change venue, and you might find it a little bit interesting. Looks like John's a little bit miffed. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below, hit that notification bell to all. Please give this video a like and share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. John Pryor, Chad's lawyer, submitted a change of venue motion on December 3rd, 2020. And the grounds of the motion states, Venue should be changed because a fair and impartial trial cannot be had in Fremont, Madison, or Bonneville counties. It says the right to a fair trial and to an impartial jury is guaranteed by the 6th and 14th Amendments to the United States Constitution and Article 1, Section 7 of the Idaho Constitution. A court should grant a change of venue whenever the totality of existing circumstances demonstrates that juror exposure to pretrial publicity will likely result in an unfair trial. However, a defendant's inability to make a detailed and conclusive showing of prejudice is not a proper ground for refusing to change venue as prejudice seldom can be established or disproved with certainty. Now, John Pryor here uses an example of state versus hall in this motion. And in this case, the motion was denied. This was back in 1986 and 1987. Here's what the case was about. On a Saturday night at a Rexburg bar, four men argued over relationships with a woman. Words turned to violence. The altercation spilled into a parking lot. Gunshots rang out. Two men fell dead. Another lay critically wounded. The fourth man, Patrick Hall, was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Despite a claim of self-defense, a jury eventually found Hall guilty of second-degree murder of two counts and of aggravated battery. And it goes on to talk about the widespread coverage in this case. And it says it appeared in newspapers, radio, and TV for a couple of months, even though the trial was almost a year after or a year later. And at the end of this, it talked about the judge giving a comprehensive summary as to why the motion was denied. Let's continue. When reviewing the nature and content of the pretrial publicity, this court should consider the accuracy of the pretrial publicity, the extent to which the articles are inflammatory, inaccurate, or beyond the scope of admissible evidence, the number of articles, and whether the potential jurors were so incessantly exposed to such articles that they had subtly become conditioned to accept a particular version of the facts at trial. Now, I do find this interesting here where he states that the potential jurors are incessantly exposed to such inflammatory and inaccurate articles, yet they would be subtly, he says, become conditioned to accept a particular uh, version of the facts at trial. Found that interesting. Now, he does give another case study, State versus Haddon, which I'm not going to get into, but it was quite interesting because it starts off with there was a theft of cows in the in the region and um i'll leave it at that it goes on to say in the present case the comments articles survey news media that i have previously submitted to the prosecution and the court as exhibits in this case illustrate the small rural communities of the seventh judicial district have been exposed to inflammatory and inadmissible evidence and an overwhelming amount of media coverage. 
the small population of residents within the 7th Judicial District makes it impossible to obtain a fair and impartial jury within the 7th District because the local media, religious organizations, and government agencies allowing depiction of pictures, ribbons on state property contribute to the unfair bias. To support this assertion regarding inadmissible and inflammatory evidence, there has been an overwhelming amount of local reporting related to Miss Vallow's activities in Arizona prior to any relationship with Mr. Daybell, which is Charles Vallow and Joseph Ryan in Arizona, Lori's third and fourth husband. It says articles and audio recordings of Miss Vallow insinuating her right to cause harm to her third husband, Joseph Ryan, a video recording of a material witness expressing her views on the case, which I'm sure that's meaning Annie Cushing, that's my guess. Additional inflammatory and untruthful information that has been reported by the local media insinuates that Mr. Daybell had some role in his wife Tammy Daybell's death. Now, this is where I have to disagree with John here about Mr. Daybell. Mr. Daybell has done his own great job of placing himself in the hot seat when it comes to Tammy Daybell. And Chad has contradicted himself in Tammy's death right on audio. And I would also like to just add in this little reminder because it's important. October 19th, Tammy Daybell died, and seven days before, she had an attempt made on her life, except the gun failed. And a week before that, Lori Vallow bought wedding rings and wedding attire and honeymoon attire, including honeymoon beach attire. Now, how can you get married to another woman if you are already married and live with your current wife? You can't, and in the state of Idaho, it's illegal. So there's that, but the quickest way, an unfortunate death with a story of a cough, yet it changes to the story of a bad heart and she didn't like doctors. Which one is it, Chad Daybell? He goes on to say, the prosecutor continues to allow this inaccurate information to continue by not providing the autopsy results performed on Tammy Daybell despite it having been performed a significant time ago. The advancement of this narrative in a small population area only continues to taint the potential jury pool. Now, here he is jabbing at Rob Wood, who is the district attorney, saying that he's allowing this inaccurate information about Tammy Daybell to continue by not providing her autopsy, which was performed, he says, a significant time ago. And it's been a year since Tammy's body's been exhumed. She was exhumed on December 11th, 2019. And it was said that the autopsy would take a considerable amount of time. We would all love to see that autopsy. And let's just add one more thing to the list for John. Let's add some records from Tammy Daybell's physician too. Let's see where those heart issues are and let's see if the doctor was seen before Tammy's death. Although Chad did say that Tammy hated doctors and Tammy had a horrible heart condition and I would like to see the medical history in addition to that autopsy report.
Now, he goes on to say, the counsel for the defendant, Chad Daybell, has not granted any public interviews, has not given any statement to the press for publication. Rather, counsel for Mr. Daybell has purposefully and intentionally kept quiet even when the media continues to report facts that the defense takes issue with. The prosecution through the county has employed a public relations firm to handle all media requests and comments directed to them. Information to defense counsel suggests that they are trying to advance their own narrative of the case. The special prosecution, Fremont and Madison County officials allowed ribbons to be placed with pictures posted upon the courthouse and government property until I brought it to the magistrate's court's attention at which time they were suddenly removed and the public relations firm for the county was retained. And now John is here trying to say, see how good I am for upholding the law and how horrible Rob Wood is, not giving the autopsy, allowing ribbons and pictures of the dead children to be placed, and shame on you for hiring a public relations firm. Yet I, John Pryor, have upheld the law and have not granted any public interviews or given any statements. He says, I have intentionally kept quiet even when media reports facts that I take issues with. I have brought it to the magistrate's court's attention about those special ribbons and photos at which time they were suddenly removed because I said so and I told the court. It looks here in these paragraphs like he's actually searching for like a pat on the back or maybe a little reward or an award or, you know, maybe he's looking for a little bit of cookies. You want a cookie, John? We continue. Bonneville counties are predominantly LDS communities, although religion in no way disqualifies anyone to serve in any case. At the direction of the stake president in Henry's Fork, Mr. Daybell's sister sent a mass email to all the ladies within the Henry's Fork stake, only causing greater concern that any potential jury pool would be tainted. Side note, it was actually Chad Daybell's sister-in-law, not his sister, that wrote this email. And I can do a separate video if you'd like on that letter. Just let me know by giving this video a thumbs up and I'll know to make one. There was a request of the Henry Stake president to Mr. Daybell's sister, sister-in-law, to communicate to all of the ladies within the stake regarding the facts as she sees them. It should be noted that in the discovery provided to me at this point, it does not show that Mr. Daybell's sister had any personal information or involvement in this case. Rather, it has been suggested to defense counsel through investigation that she is related through marriage to law enforcement who may be and may have investigated this case. That causes defense counsel great concern as it would seem on the face of her assertions in her email to all the ladies of the Henry's Fork stake that she has personal knowledge of the facts. Although defense counsel has no evidence provided by the prosecution that Mr. Daybell's sister has information or evidence in this case. There is information regarding her connections through marriage to law enforcement. Although I have no direct information that anyone in law enforcement spoke to Mr. Daybell's sister, I have great concern that local law enforcement in this case are speaking or have spoken to people in the community about the facts in the case. 
The continued untruths as somehow Mr. Daybell is involved in some type of cult activity continues to be presented to the local community. Although there is significant reference to LDS scriptures and religion, the suggestion of cult activities is continually being advanced without any merit. Mr. Pryor, it's not a cult. That's not what I would call it. That would be untruth. It's called secret combinations. And there are truths there and with merit. Something perhaps that may be missed in court but is very relevant to this case. Secret combinations. AKA a secret society, not a cult. The survey presented to the court performed by defense counsel and provided as an exhibit, he's very hard to read. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Supports the assertion that a fair trial cannot be had in the 7th Judicial District. It shows that not only was the person conducting to the survey presented with threats from Bonneville, Madison, and Fremont counties, that the vast majority of people interviewed stated that they have already made up their mind regarding the guilt of the defendants. Further, that the vast majority would not change their mind. Here's where it gets more interesting. East Idaho News, who has a dominant and expansive readership within all of the 7th Judicial District, has on almost a daily basis reported on information regarding this case. Side note, not quite almost daily because Nate Eaton's doing Secret Santa and that's pretty much daily, so that's an untruth, John Pryor. It has published interviews with material witnesses to the case, published numerous pictures of the location of where the bodies of the children were discovered, photos of courthouses laced with ribbons and pictures, I have also submitted numerous photos of businesses and places within the 7th Judicial District community expressing opinion on this case. So the interviews he's talking about is with Melanie Gibb, Melanie Pulowski, and Ian Pulowski. Uh, interestingly, the attorneys were present there when Melanie and Ian were doing the interview. Um, I can't remember if he did an interview with Colby Ryan, and I believe he did one with Larry and Kay Woodcock. 
Now, it's interesting to see the verbiage in this paragraph about East Idaho News. He says, published numerous pictures of the location of where the bodies of the children were discovered. This was purposely written, in my opinion, this way. Because we know the location of the bodies of the children where they were discovered is Chad Daybell's property. But he veers the reader away from that purposefully. Also, the sentence where he says, photos of courthouses laced with ribbons and pictures. That is carefully chosen, again, in my opinion, to convey the idea that it's tainted. Kind of like how he's trying to bring up the tainted jury pool. He's slick and I'll give him that. But now I would like to insert a little picture because he's talking about how he's submitted numerous photos of businesses and places within this district expressing opinions. And there was a picture that Nate Eaton did post from East Idaho News about a cupcake. It was a cupcake with the jail colors that Lori was wearing and on it it says, where's the kids? And it just has that simple statement because the town's wondering where the kids are, but yet certainly we did not see any forms of that from Lori or Chad. He goes on to say, Considering the pretrial publicity and the strong feelings in the community about the case, the court should take appropriate steps to protect Mr. Daybell's right to an impartial jury. In addition to moving venue to a larger population base within the state, we would request the court juror questionnaire should ask if the panel member have been exposed to any pretrial publicity. After the nature of the case is explained to the panel in person, it should follow up on its written question to see if any other panel members now realize their exposure to pretrial publicity. All the panel members who have been exposed should then be questioned. The local news agency whose readership encompasses all of Eastern Idaho has made the ability to panel a jury in Eastern Idaho impossible. The largest population in the state is in the Boise, Nampa, Caldwell area in Western Idaho. The hope of finding an impartial jury from a larger population is far more likely than in a very small number of Eastern Idaho rural communities whose local media agency has an incredible following. It will be interesting to see if this is moved to Boise, Idaho. What I find extra interesting is I just recently did a video on the first Idaho serial killer who was a female. Her name was Lida Southard. And you can check that out right there. And I will also have it in the description below and in the pinned comment, but there is some uncanny similarities to Lori Vallow Daybell. And Lida's trial was actually in Boise, Idaho, and she served her time at the penitentiary there. And if this change of venue happens for Chad Daybell, this will also happen for Lori. And I do have an upcoming video where I do direct comparisons with Lori and Lida Southard. It's part two in that series. So I will have that in the description below. Now, finally, the conclusion of this letter says, Defendant Chad Daybell requests that all information in regards to a survey, articles, media coverage previously submitted to the court and the prosecution well in advance of submission of this memorandum be admitted in its entirety to support this motion to change venue. 
Further, the defendant through his legal counsel requests oral argument on this motion that venue should be changed. Further, that the court direct that the venue be changed to an area of the state in Western Idaho where the largest population of our citizens reside. Respectfully submitted this third day of December 2020, John Pryor, attorney for defendant. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think this change of venue will happen? Also, what do you think about John Pryor's points that he made in this motion? Please comment below and we can have a chit chat. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.